We must constantly look at things in a different way. The Healthcare Education Transformation Podcast was created by two physical therapists out of the desire to learn more about the different educational roles in physical therapy and healthcare and how healthcare education works by talking with educational leaders and people with different perspectives within physical therapy and across interdisciplinary lines on how education can be improved to disrupt the status quo of healthcare education. This is our journey and thanks for listening. Are you a third-year physical therapy student that excels on tests when you have study guides, checklists, and deadlines? With all of the information available about how to prepare for the NPTE, it's easy to get disorganized and not feel prepared going into the big day. NPTE Prep Success is an online course that provides PT students easy-to-use study guides and step-by-step guidance through the NPTE preparation. To learn more, visit kylericeprep.com. Thank you again all for your continued support. And now for the show. You've touched on you know, some of these things a little bit throughout your talk, but for the student or the newer clinician who's kind of um, identified with either any of these situations of feeling you know, burnout or frustration early on in their career, um, apart from what you've mentioned, what are some recommendations that you've found that usually can help best overcome these barriers to ultimately have these individuals find their um, career to have um, their optimal purpose and fulfillment? Yeah, it's a great question. Um, I, I think first and foremost is they have to own their path. Um, it's not about passively entering into their profession and seeking out the best fit, but it's truly about I, identifying your needs and seeking like-minded resources to support that. So for younger therapists, it really is truly about exploring, learning, and finding meaning in what they're doing rather than just working through a 40-hour um, schedule of patients. So first and foremost, find an employer that is truly invested in, in your development. And if you are an employer, um, shift to a people-first mindset. Yes, processes are important. Yes, profits are important. Um, but if you're having turnover issues, if you're having issues with burnout and um, inconsistency and in performance with, throughout your clinic, um, it's, a, it's a great feedback to maybe that your people and your therapists um, are seeking a, a different shift in their culture and one that will have meaning, meaningful impact on the success of your business. So uh, again, for those younger therapists, uh, it's, it's surprising to me that uh, therapists don't ask a lot of questions during interviews. They're in information gathering mode, but they're not in seeking mode. So developing interview skills that help you discern what's truly an idea versus a reality. Um, An HR director and a clinic director will be fantastic at pitching and selling you on what the company has to own. But, you know, take a staff member out to dinner. Um, Hear the reality of the job and um, get it definitely be worth your $30 of taking them out to a decent dinner to kind of get an insight of what their experience has been from a Um, as a relatively newer employee and see if it fits and just be open and transparent. Um, And we kind of allude, and there's plenty of networking opportunities at local PT events. There's more and more online student resources to discover and hear what's possible and what other people are experiencing. So you don't settle because there's definitely job opportunities out there. You know, the, the students I talk to have anywhere between five and seven interviews. 
Um, and unfortunately, it come, a lot of times when we get into deeper conversation, it comes down to the money. And I know we spoke about earlier as far as um, what that money translates to as far as an experience as a newer therapist. So um, that usually is a big part of my conversation with younger therapists. And then for the, in, in truth and in fairness to all employers, they're not going to be able to, to provide everything that a, a newer therapist is looking for. So I usually tell a new therapist, what's your top three? What can you, what are the most important things that you need? And if you're, if the opportunity that you, you um, engage with provides two of the three, you still have to fill that third void or you're going to feel that you're missing something. So in today's world of social media and uh, podcasts and mentorship opportunities, definitely seek resources to fill the void. Um, let it be clinical development, finding a supportive mentor, um, actively seek those rather than expecting some, the, the job that you do on a daily basis, provide them within the other commitments that you have within your job description and, and what you're there is doing with your patient care. So if you want to grow, you have to find those opportunities. And then lastly, and this is the one that I think is most vital because it's a bigger picture dialogue is the process of self-awareness. Um, the more formal, the more impactful, um, and this is not just on the now, but your entire professional life, um, as well as probably extending beyond the professional side of things. So just like investing, <laughs> the earlier start, the more you're going to compound your assets. Um, jobs aren't permanent, but the skills you need are everlasting for your growth and your fulfillment and um, having longevity in a career that you've dedicated tons to be successful and um, as you mentioned earlier, Brandon, um, you have a you have a, an image, a self image of what we project and what we provide, and we want to not just meet that, but we want to exceed it. So that has to be intentional, uh, an intentional process, and not just something that occurs because I've been practicing for eighteen years. <laughs> so as I mentioned earlier, um, the fact that we're talking a lot around the educational and the, the growth side of things. Um, my self-discovery was that um, if I wanted it to happen, I was the one that was going to have to make it happen. And using the support of the people around me, the people I chose to, to create near my circle and, and chose to have as employers um, with that gave me opportunities beyond what I ever thought possible when I graduated way back in the day. So, um, so again, that self-awareness piece is one that will have lasting benefits over your career. No, I completely agree. I think there were so many solid points in there that you kind of said, and honestly, truthfully, as you were going through that, I was just thinking back to my uh, earlier development part as well. And some of them, I'm like, I wish I would have done that more um, than at that time. So I think those are really some wise words for consideration. Um, but I'm going to switch gears a little bit because, you know, of course, talking with, you know, not just education, our profession, of course, we have to acknowledge the work and efforts of, of course, our professional organization, whether that be at the national level or the state level. Um, you know, of course, knowing that there's a lot of things going on, there's a lot of people involved, and there's a lot of things that they're working on. Um, what has been your experience with kind of getting more involved with the PT Professional Association um, on a national and on a state level? Yeah, and that, that's been a little bit of a journey as well. So as a, a student at USC, we were strongly encouraged to attend at least one of the national meetings, um, either our second or third year of school. So I attended my first combined section meeting as a second year student um, down in New Orleans, which is a fun place to visit for sure. I have to get back to you someday. Um, 
And over the years, uh, I've always maintained a membership and participated in a variety of different national events, uh, more so than state level. Uh, unfortunately, at the state, I think there's some challenges from a, a content, a level of commitment, uh, and overall value of what they offer. And, and I know they're striving more and more. And I love to see uh, that states are, are, are grouping together. So for here, example, here in Arizona, um, we have a, a tri-state conference that we've gotten together with Nevada and California and we offer. And I, I think that elevates the level of content and the networking and the understanding of what our profession is because at some point you do get stagnant when you see a lot of the same information, a lot of the same messaging, a lot of the same influencers. So I absolutely support um, the state level um, side of things, but also understanding that expanding that opportunity uh, is, is a meaningful one. Uh, I did take, in all honesty and disclosure, I did take some years off away from membership. Uh, I, I found there, as I was kind of growing in my professional path, I, I found a lack of um, maybe innovation and collaboration. And there was a lot of repetitive messaging that just didn't seem to, to work with where I was in, in uh, my career at the time. So I, in, in transparency, I did take some time off from my membership, but I am a, a current active member. And uh, I've definitely sought out more opportunities from a networking standpoint and an involvement standpoint, as I think I have a better understanding and maturity around what that opportunity um, leads to from an impact standpoint. Now, from an from a individual that has a, a coaching practice and someone who's sought out some seeking, um, some presenting opportunities, I'm sure everybody has their story about what this looks like and feels like. And... There are definitely some challenges um, as far as you know, shifting perspective. Um, and there is a greater structure that exists within the APTA than ever before. As I mentioned, being a, an 18-year practitioner, I've definitely seen uh, a lot more uniformity and consistency within the APTA. Um, but at the same time, if we look around us, there's tons of people doing great things in our industry and many are choosing to do so outside the support or the offerings of the APTA. So um, I think this might represent that there's a, a little bit too, stagnant might not be the right word, but there's a little resistance or hesitancy to embrace um, change and a different message and a different way of doing things. Um, but in truth, I would love to see the APTA, excuse me, the APTA be a little bit more daring and self-reflective on their vision and the membership that it serves. So uh, it, it is, it's, it's humbling to me that only 30% of our PTs are members of the APTA. Um, what's a little more shocking to me is that I did read a, a research study that, that correlated our membership level to that of other allied healthcare professions. And so the end result was stating that you know, in fact, we were comparable. I don't like being comparable. I like excelling. I like redefining. I, write, uh, I like excelling. I like pushing the element and finding what's going to shift a, a static membership rate to those that are um, seeing the APTA as, as an inf influential and necessary part of their professional growth and uh, journey over the, over the part of their careers. So, um, yeah, that, you know, I'm looking forward. I actually was ex accepted to present at CSM in 2020. So hopefully some dialogue with some different um, 
you know, mindsets will come about with that. And I'm looking forward to uh, a dialogue that, it, that probably shifts some paradigms and starts to um, encourage um, a little bit of outside the box thinking, because I think, as I mentioned earlier, there's, there's some, there's a shift going on within our profession. And I'd love that to be um, shared at a, on a larger platform for sure. Well, absolutely. And I think one of the big things that you had kind of, and I completely think that a lot of points you said in there were certainly valid as, you know, I know that, you know, talking with a lot of people within the organization that of course membership retention has been one of the biggest issues um, for quite a while. Um, you know, so, and I'm kind of curious based on, apart from what you had kind of said, I know you kind of said your reasoning and your rationale behind why you took some time off was maybe a little bit more unique and it may not be the same for everyone. Um, but from apart from what your thoughts are and what you've heard from others and even data, if we know that, what are some reasons that you feel like that number of membership is still kind of as low as it is? I mean, there is evidence that it is growing, um, but why do you think we're overall not at the same level as, oh, I don't know, chiropractors or, you know, another provider like that, that seems to be having a little bit more consistency and uh, participation um, from the more of a majority of the profession? Um, I think if you ask people, the, the, the gut reaction is going to be value. Um, if I extrapolate or ask them clarifying, well, what does that mean to you? I think it does circle back around. What I'm hearing from people is it does circle back to what we talked about earlier as far as, you know, we seek meaning, we seek the ability to explore and learn. And um, I, I don't know if people are feeling like they can connect with the APTA in a way that truly makes a difference on the day-to-day -day of their, their professional life. Um, I think there's varying degrees. That, and granted, this is, a, this is a true challenge for any organization that represents such a, um, a diverse group of, of providers from the type of setting they work in to where they are in their professional career to the degree that they've attained and the fact that they're transitionals, they're fellows, all this. So there is a challenge that faces the APTA. Um, but I, I really do think it comes down to connecting and relating with the membership. And I myself have noticed that there is um, more of a dialogue rather than a platform of information. Um, I think things like the Graham sessions and events where people become more interactive and voices are heard and uh, perspectives are shared and accountability or at least circling back around to those dialogues um, and sharing feedback and direction and and having a greater presence rather than just someone who represents us and here's our strategic program. I, I think that's probably um, what people are, are more seeking. How fast of a shift that will occur. Um, I, I truly do believe that the student debt issue will probably pose some barriers, especially as more and more employers aren't paying for their professional membership fees as part of their benefit package. So. Um, we might see that fluctuate or face some challenges in the years to come, but uh, connecting and relating is in a meaningful way and meaningful to the member, not just from, you know, a vision and a strategic programming standpoint, I, I think um, can help make a difference in the future as far as our membership um, retention as well as growth, hopefully in the future. Yeah. 
Yeah, I, I, I think that's very well said. And I think it's been interesting knowing from my very limited understanding of some of the more, um, some of the more of the data on, you know, membership in terms of that is that surprisingly when it, from what I, my understanding, I'd like to hear kind of hear how this compares to your thoughts as well and your understanding. Um, but it seems to be that usually when people are students, there's more of a tendency to have that membership. But as they enter the workforce in their early aspects of the career, that drop-off seems to be a little bit more substantial. Is that accurate? Um, from my experience, yes. I, I mean, like you, there's a certain amount of data that we can find and, and there's an absence of others. So just from experience and talking to therapists and being part of organizations, um, they basically have to choose. And if it comes down to I pay you know, $800 a year for a national membership, um, and what do I what do I get besides journals? Um, I know that's a, a, a myopic mindset, but in the truth and reality is we, we've touched on a couple different points of how much stress and physical and, and um, well-being is, is compromised by the, 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 the financial aspect of it. So being creative um, on what that can look like from a, a payment standpoint um, I, in this is, uh, this is my experience. I actually am a part of my undergraduate. Uh, I'm a lifetime alum member. And uh, recently from them, I received something saying they no longer actually take um, or require a payment for membership. Um, what they do is they take donations. And is that re a reality at the APTA? Maybe, maybe not. But it shows a level of creativity um, and a message to users or members that they want a different type of relationship because everything is becoming so subscription based now and it all feels like, so there's more and more emphasis on what am I getting for my $79 or what am I getting for my $800? So, um, yeah, I, if I'm a student, if I'm, if I'm looking at $150,000 debt, I, I probably don't know if I pay $875 to, and, and that we don't even get into the different components, right? If I want to be part of the private practice session, if I want to be part of the orthopedic or sport, it, it just starts compounding and becoming more of a mountain. And payment plans can work and be helpful, but to a, a certain degree, to a limiting degree. Um, so, you know, you can see how the web of all the different topics we talked about today are so interdependent. And so addressing the holistic nature of our professional future um, will take some time, will take some energy, and will take some really, really insightful people. Um, I know in the past, Brandon and I, when we first met, I kind of tickled you and kind of mentioned, hey, you've got a lot of people that you know, like, go get a, go get, go get a think tank together. Go get some, you know, some thinkers and some movers and some individuals that have some creative perspective on what can work and what should work and where we should be going get them in a room and do a round table and watch the brilliance. And even if you walk away with one or two things um, and that momentum can grow from that, there's always positive energy around those dialogues. And then there becomes support and then there becomes buy-in and then there becomes, let's make this happen. Um, I like to see more of those type of um, interactions taking place. And if it's outside of our professional organization, within our professional organization, um, I think that's a, a meaningful investment for sure. Absolutely. And have you heard of uh, Jack Chu, by the way, and the three I, R's conference that he's uh, been I have, put on? I have not. 
So it's really interesting. I mean, it's somewhat, there's actually a lot of, it's sort of similar to kind of what you had just mentioned. Of course, he's over in the, in the UK, of course, but he kind of put on an event, I think it was last year. I'll have to triple check that. But he basically did an event similar to that. And it was really interesting to kind of gather what happened following that, what the discussions were, the diversity of people that they had from different walks of life. So, mm-hmm. I mean, I thought that was really, really, really interesting. And, you know, I think that's certainly a fair option. I think that's, I mean, of course, I mean, always having these kinds of discussions is always a good thing. So it's on your 2020 calendar? Uh, probably more like 2021. Okay. That's fair. That's <laughs> let's, fair. Let's be realistic here. <laughs> going through uh, advanced level training, I'm not going to lie. It's kind of pushed other things to the side sure. temporarily. Yeah, so I'm absolutely. Gonna be, I'm going to be real on that. Um, yeah. But I want to switch gears a little bit because there's a lot that we've talked about and specifically how you know, intertwined, intertwined and multifactorial um, a lot of these issues and solutions can be. So let's dive into a little bit more specifically on kind of what your contribution is from a coaching standpoint. So what specifically, you know, does your coaching specifically entail? If you wouldn't mind kind of sharing a little bit about, you know, the format of the mentorship, how it's maybe unique compared to other post-professional forms of development, um, you know, and kind of the bladder of that. Sure. Um, Right now we've got a a three-pronged program system where the first being the personal coaching side of things where it's really customized and um, we set aside time uh, to work through the individual uh, professional journey and identify where their needs are and develop a path based off of that. So um, it's not a program that I walk everybody through the same information and, and hope you guys get to the same endpoint. It literally is meeting, meeting the, the therapist where they are because you could be three years out of school, you could be 18 years out of school, you could be an owner, you could be someone looking for change. So the personal coaching side is one-on-one. The second element is kind of online programming. Um, These are webinar-based course content specific to clinical expertise, personal mastery, finding fulfillment in your profession. Um, So that's gonna be available. I'm I'm changing platforms right now. I'm trying to get into Kajabi, uh, everything through that format, and that'll be available hopefully in the next few months. Um, and it still is available, but through Kajabi in the next few months. And then lastly, uh, on-site clinical development. So this is truly um, meant for larger teams um, or teams of any size where I come on site and this is really focusing on the clinical mastery and expertise and um, anything from, you know, really understanding an assessment that will allow you to determine if the patient's going to be responsive um, to peak interventions a little bit more of a dynamic, unique way than, than again, what we're taught in school um, to figuring how to deal with a little bit more of a, a complex patient population. What do you do when a shoulder patient doesn't get better and you scratch your head and they should get better? So there's some other things to consider. Um, so really opening up a little bit more of a broad perspective rather than revisiting um, a lot of the information that you are familiar with. So in all honesty, one of my pet peeves is going to a PT conference and feeling like I spend a day and a half revisiting things I already know. Um, so I, I like to create curiosity. Um, I like to make it a little bit uncomfortable because that's when things start to shift and change in, in your ability to see what your responsibility is. And uh, I like to definitely have fun and be interactive and uh, it's case study based and um, you could bring patient presentations to that as well. So that one's also uh, flexible to meet the needs of a clinic based off of where they are, um, what niche of 
um, patient population they may see, um, what type of uh, level of therapists are working there, let it be all new graduates rather than, you know, um, a little bit more of a mixed bag. So I go through a questionnaire with the leader, the team leadership, and we go through a questionnaire that helps kind of target um, the need there. Um, it is a bit different in the sense that obviously, as I've mentioned, it's uh, a little bit more dynamic and customizable. Um, it is not one of the questions that's pretty commonly asked is about credentialing uh, for any organization that's tried to go through the credentialing process. Um, there is huge variation uh, amongst the state regulations for continuing competency requirements, and it just creates difficulties uh, in achieving multi-site course approval. Um, so the good news is that many states have categories for what's called a non-approved activity. So um, in fact, um, many of these programs would actually be covered as a CEU. Um, we just don't provide you the certificate and all those fancy things with a little gold foil on it. Um, you know, the governing bodies of each state can help um, guide and regulate what that uh, workflow looks like. But in essence, um, there is flexibility and opportunity for um, PTs to seek um, professional growth opportunities that will be covered for their requirements, their licensee requirements. Along those lines, um, Brandon, I don't know if you've looked at this, but I'm amazed that there are three states that actually don't require any continuing competency for their license. Um, so as I was developing the program, I actually found myself as a nonconformist, um, realizing that if my target audience was evolving to those that are committed rather than obligated. So if you're committed to professional growth, those are the, those are the individuals and therapists that usually seek out um, these type of opportunities because it, it is a difference maker. And you know, it is a little bit modeled after my own journey and um, realizing how to become a truly master clinician and expert clinician. And then also the other elements that help me grow and navigate um, the professional journey of being an employee, um, understanding the other professional responsibilities as an employee that I had, not just the clinical side of things, and how to manage um, my career development path and provide meaning and fulfillment for myself, making decisions in a different way for a different reason. So um, those things all are never gonna be meaningful to a credentialing body, but they are very, very meaningful to the individual. So I couldn't exclude that um, just because I, because of the credentialing competency requirements. So um, yeah, that's, that's where Wisdom PT is and we continue to grow. And um, you know, the fun part of this responsibility is I get to meet amazing people um, doing creative things in their clinics and discover more and more of um, what our profession is capable of, of providing and making an impact in their community. So for me, that's been uh, an amazing journey as well. And uh, I look forward to, you know, where Wisdom PT goes in the future as well. Well, very well said, Kim. And, you know, it's interesting. We've talked about so many topics on this episode regarding the profession. And of course, we got to finish off with kind of our big finale question. Now, if you want to bring up something that you kind of already mentioned and reiterate it, maybe expand more, that's fine. Or if you want to bring up an avenue that we really haven't touched on much, that's equally fine as well. So this is your ultimate choice. So the question is, if you could change one aspect of healthcare education, whether that be physical therapy or otherwise, which aspect would you change and how would you change it? 
Well, you know, I'm sure most people will say cost, um, but I'm going to break the trend a little bit and I'm going to say focus on the human experience and put people first. Um, our ability to relate is really what dictates our future, not just as a profession, but as individuals. Um, you have to meet people where they are and let it be a patient, uh, an employee that you've hired that, that might be struggling to fit into your organization, um, a colleague, a fellow owner. Um, again, you have to meet them where they are and that's where you're gonna be able to make an influence, a, a difference and an influence in their life and their career path. Um, from a client perspective, um, I wanna say this as eloquently as I can, they are so much more than what your initial evaluation says as far as your functional impairments, uh, or your impairments, your functional limitations, your diagnoses. They are so, so much more than that. Um, I, I also wanna be a little bit direct in, in kind of addressing some of the headlines and statistics about the medical community and you know, poor health or poor care being provided, high costs, um, patients losing trust in the community, decreasing number of millennials accessing healthcare. Um, there's a growing trend and it demands that we shift our mindset and truly connect and provide a meaningful impact for our communities and one in which they define as meaningful. Um, you know, my clinical practice is built on this. Um, it really is hard to have a new patient come into my office and hear the number of practitioners that just simply haven't connected and listened. Um, and you know, we're all gonna have patients that we don't know what to do with. There's something, that, there's something outside of our skill set that's going on that we can't provide them the outcome that they're looking for. But that doesn't mean that we can't understand how to still be a resource and help guide them along that medical journey. Um, so in essence, are they gonna be a 10, pa a 10 visit patient? No, but they're gonna be a patient that becomes, um, important for your practice because they're going to remember that and um, I, I get those patients a lot and so that's a big part of why there's a sustainability in my, my clinical practice. I also find it critical to comment on you know our dedication to finding solutions for patients. Um, you know evidence can you know evidence is important. I, I don't want anybody to walk away hearing Kim Rondina say that evidence isn't important, but I, I do want to share a quote from Brett Windsor. He's a fellow with NIOMT. Um, his quote is, literature informs the practice of the expert. It doesn't dictate it. I think that people who really understand that are the ones that are transforming their ability of our profession to make a difference for a patient, regardless of what's going on. Evidence won't, will never be able to keep up with the complexity of patient situations that are presenting to us every day in the clinic. Um, so I, I do, I, I do value those that kind of take a holistic approach rather than a systematic one in, in the, in their patient care model. Um, so please be curious, develop your way of seeing a patient on a more holistic level, create amazing outcomes, uh, meaningful relations, and you'll have that autonomy that validates your impact and sustains your ability to thrive. And again, that's about putting people first and, um, so that's what I would say as far as, you know, integrating that at an early stage of either the formal education process or those resources that you seek out in, in transforming who you are as a professional. Um, I, I think that's a good step to having a, a, a career that you truly um, 
are fulfilled in. I couldn't agree more. I think that was very well said. And I really respect a lot of the really important and deep lessons that you've kind of brought, not even just in that answer, but kind of in throughout the discussion on this episode. And Kim, I, I recognize that, of course, people might have um, further follow-up questions on maybe anything that we had talked about throughout this discussion, or maybe just kind of want to follow up and kind of see what's going on online with what you're doing. Um, where can people reach, reach online or follow up with you? Should they have a question? Sure. Um, the website is www.wisdomptcoach.com. Um, you can also email me at kim at wisdomptcoach.com. You can also find me linked in either personally under Kim Rondina or under Wisdom PT Coach as well. Um, those are the main platforms in which I connect with people and people find out about um, what we're doing. Well, perfect. And thank you so much for, you know, your service and all that you do. And I wish you the best of success with all your current and future endeavors with everything and look forward to staying in touch and uh, kind of growing and transforming together. So thanks for coming on today, Kim. Thanks, Brandon. Very much appreciate it. Access to healthcare is one of the largest issues facing both providers and patients as millions of people worldwide lack timely and affordable access to healthcare. Anywhere Healthcare a telehealth platform is a simple, low-cost option for providers and patients that eliminates the barriers to access to all kinds of healthcare. To find out more, check out anywhere.healthcare, which is available on our show notes. And if you use the code HET in all caps when you email to sign up, you'll save 25% off the total cost. Thank you for attending class today, and we hope that you learned something and gained value from the content. If you'd like to schedule office hours with us, feel free to add us on Twitter at HET Podcast, on Instagram, HET Podcast, on Facebook, the Healthcare Education Transformation Podcast, and the homepage, Healthcare Education Transformation Podcast.com. And for those of you following along in the syllabus, extra credit can be obtained by liking us, sharing us, and leaving a review. Let's continue our journey up Mount Educational Success as lifelong learners.